0: Hey guys, it is me, at p 36, also known as Michael Hunter, which is what my mom calls me when she's very angry, Mr. Hunter. Um, You know, coming back, took a week off after Christmas, Uh, good times, I've, uh, you know, got to spend some time with some family, eat some good food, drink some good bourbon, watch some comedy specials, laugh our asses off, we played Yahtzee because we're boring, and you know, it just kind of relaxed all week. So, it's good to be back. It was a good week to take off because this week is typically pretty dull as far as the college basketball universe goes. So, you know, you guys didn't miss anything except me talking about the UNC-Kentucky game. So, this episode is episode number 49. This is the ACC schedule preview game which i don't break down the entire schedules but i going to give my thoughts on each team as we head into acc play it is currently sunday um december 30th when i recorded this i just got done recording a few minutes ago so we went for a little bit longer than i typically go for but um <clears throat> I, know. I thought it came up pretty well it took me a few minutes to get back into a rhythm so I kind of stumbled through the first 15 20 minutes or so but then you know I find I find my footing after that so I just wanted to drop by say hi let you guys know check me out on Twitter at pecone 36 make sure you guys subscribe on iTunes to this podcast or whatever medium you guys use to get the podcast but make sure you subscribe and make sure you leave a review let me know how you guys think I'm doing um, by all means at at uh, report at gmail.com I've I've conversed with several of you in the past few weeks gotten really good feedback from you guys and you know as always you guys if anybody's interested in in writing for ACC basketball report still looking for people to do that so get at me about that uh, don't forget like, rate, review, share, um, steal somebody's phone, subscribe. <clears throat> uh, Notre Dame fans, check out slapthesign.com. I have an article going up today. Typically every Sunday, I put something up on slapthesign, and then accbasketballreport.com. If you guys are just looking for you know recruiting news or, or small things that I that I happen to pick up along the way. Um, other than that, I hope you guys had a wonderful Christmas. I hope you guys have a tremendous and safe new year. Don't forget to make those um, resolutions that you won't keep, but that make you feel good. So, I'll talk to you guys next year. Probably no midweek episode this week. I am definitely going to do one next weekend, obviously. So, here it is. I am Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report, episode number 49. What is going on, people? It is ACC basketball report number forty-nine. This is the ACC season preview coming at you on Sunday, December thirtieth, the day before Christmas, uh, New Year's Eve. I did take a week off for Christmas, had my parents in town, things of that nature. Did the family thing, and then just took a break. It was a pretty boring week. You guys didn't miss anything, I think. Uh, The one thing that I haven't gotten to that, you know, we're just going to jump over is the North Carolina loss to Kentucky. If you watch the game, it pretty much speaks for itself. Uh, Let me adjust this a little bit. Reading in the red a little bit. All right. Yeah, that sounds a little bit better. Um, So what I'm going to do is if you guys look at uh, ACCBasketballReport.com, you saw my new uh, revised uh, predictive standings for the end of the conference season And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go in inverse order of my updated standings And go down through and give you some of my, you know, just bullet points Six, seven, eight thoughts on each particular team And then I'm going to give you some of the games I'm looking forward to this season And then I'm going to give you a few landmine games That I that I recognized on the schedule at the end of the show And then uh, we'll be done and I'll talk to you guys next weekend So let's uh, we'll jump right into it Number 15 on the list was Pittsburgh um, coming into the season. It is now Wake Forest. Uh, currently 6-4. I actually believe that's it's incorrect. I wrote some of this yesterday before, um, before the show, but they played yesterday. They actually lost to Gardner-Webb. Um, I believe they're 6-5 right now <clears throat> with the Cornell game remaining. They opened the ACC slate at home against Georgia Tech, which could be a battle for the basement um you know like most years under danning manning the deacons simply don't play defense and they look disorganized on offense it, it was the same thing yesterday you know gardner webb has actually beaten georgia tech as well this season and yesterday you know they they're so talented they, they really are and you know they they they, they they just they don't play defense they currently rank 329th in opponent's turnover percentage and 232nd in opponent's effective field goal percentage so you know once again it's just it's just not there defensively and you know it showed yesterday they just couldn't put gardner webb away which has uh, you know uh, a few kids that can play and jose perez was six five sophomore out of new york and the ff f kid i think is how you say his name but you know he's got a thousand career points and they just, they're a tough and gritty team. I watched most of that game yesterday. You know, Brandon Childress is good, but I don't think he is as good as he thinks he is, I guess would be the right way to say that. But, uh, you know, some wild shots. They just look disorganized. I think the hot seat about Danny Manning is already starting to heat up. But one thing you need to realize is that... He just signed a 6-year extension last season. Okay, that that extension is only 13 months old at this point. You know, it locked him up for the 2024-25 season. His bio is more than likely insane. Okay, last season he was making roughly 1.7 million dollars per season. Um, I've seen on the, on Twitter that the estimate for his bio is roughly 11 to 12 million. That that's probably off by a little bit <clears throat> right now. I don't know how they come up with the money to fire him Now, there was interesting back in August Chris Ball did make a $2.5 million donation over the summer to the basketball program I don't know if there's any stipulations tied to that As far as if it has to be used for facilities Or if it can be used at the general discretion of the athletic director Or or anything about it really I just know that that money is there <clears throat> So, I you know, I think it, it might be a, a long-suffering time for for Wake Forest and you know it would I wouldn't be shocked to see some kind of exodus after this season as far as players transferring Jalen Horde is almost assuredly going pro and in fact I'd be even more shocked if players didn't start heading for the door because the the few players that he has put in the pro ranks haven't played well haven't uh, haven't succeeded in that in that in that medium I guess and <clears throat> You know, he's bringing in high-end talent that should be playing in the league and is not playing in the league. So, you know, it's going to be a tough road ahead for, I think, Wake Forest fans. You know, and right now, the way they look on the court, you know, losses to Houston Baptist at home, um, a true road game lost at Richmond, and and then yesterday with Gardner-Webb, which Gardner-Webb isn't a bad team, but they shouldn't be beating ACC teams. Okay? That's, a, that's a game that... Has kind of shut me down as far as Georgia Tech goes this season. I just haven't. I've kind of checked out already, and that's that's too bad. It's, and I, I feel the pain of the Wake Forest fans as far as that goes. Moving on to number fourteen. This is a team I had uh, rated a little bit lower than everybody else coming into the season, but Miami is a team that I'm way down on now. After I, I think of the first power rankings that I came out with, I actually had them at number five because they just their ability to shoot the ball was was crazy, and. Um, <clears throat> It's, they've just basically completely fallen apart. You know, the front court losses of Duan Hernandez and Dengak have, have kind of put them behind the eight ball early the season. Chris likes playing about as expect as expected, averaging 16 a game. Though he's only shooting about 32% from deep. You know, that can be attributed to him having to be kind of less deferential in his shot selection. Anthony Lawrence has been good while his efficiency hasn't been terrible. He's certainly you know stepped into that role. Uh, of of being a, uh, one of the primary scorers on this team and, and taking that over quite well, I think. Maybe not as great as some expected, but I think he's been effective. You know, the problem is they can't rebound the ball. You know, they have uh, Zundu in that center spot, but and he's a good rebounder, but right now they're 294th in the nation in total rebounding, and they don't get to the line. Um, they're 241st in free throws attempted. So... A lot of one-on-one, a lot of one-and-outs. They don't keep people off the offensive glass, and they don't drive the ball to the lane and get fouled. They don't work the ball onto the block and get fouled. So, you know, other teams' players are, are playing a tremendous amount of minutes against them because nobody's in foul trouble, and they don't get those free points at the line. So, you know, they do rank... Uh, 48th in Ken Palm, but their strength of schedule is 215th, and they're seven and four. So that's kind of a that's kind of a weird uh, trio of numbers that doesn't really equal out. I think it will level out as as they get into conference play. They open up with three top 40 Ken Palm teams in NC State, Louisville, Florida State. So <clears throat> all three of those games are losses. The 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 last two, uh, Louisville and Florida State, are both going to be on the road. You know, after that, it's. They get Wake Forest at home, and they play UNC at home, Syracuse, Florida State again, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. Okay, there's a very real possibility that this team starts 1-8 or 0-9 in ACC play, and that is not something that I really anticipated coming into the season, especially when I thought they were going to have DeJuan Hule. Miami could challenge for the basement this year. Let me grab a drink of water real quick. My throat is incredibly dry. So... Moving on to the number 13 team that I have currently uh, is Georgia Tech. Uh, some of you may think I have it 13 instead of in the basement. You know, because I'm a little bit biased, I don't think that's the case. You know, this team does play defense as as, as egregiously horrible as they are on offense. They are one of the top perimeter defensive teams in the country. Um, you know, the strength of schedule is 278th. They have held every team they've played so far under that team season average. Okay, they did go to Arkansas a couple weeks ago and beat a an SEC team. Let's not call them good. Let's just call them an SEC team. So, you know, they, something to hang your hat on. You know, as has been custom in Atlanta, the Jackets struggle to score the ball. Okay, this is Passner's third season, and the Yellow Jackets currently rank 263rd in the nation in scoring, which is actually the best of the Josh Passner era. Um, you know, before the season, they were talking about high tempo and shooting threes. Haven't seen any of that. Okay. Certainly not making many threes. They started out uh, the game Saturday against Kennesaw State, you know, a real good tune-up game, um, three for three, and then kind of went back into their typical, yeah, kind of shooting. But you know, before the season, Curtis Haywood said that you know they were going to play up tempo. They're going to be one of the fastest teams in the country. They're going to shoot the ball a lot. That has that's that's been debunked at this point. It's it's bullshit. That's not the way they're going to play. I'm not sure that passenger knows how to coach that way. Um, this team is more athletic, I think, than he's had in, te- in years past, but not as talented. Um, I just, I don't know, you know, Khalid Moore, Mike DeVoe, Curtis Haywood, Jose Alvarado, James Banks. Okay, this looks like a solid foundation for next year, uh, but as far as this season goes... You know, you're not getting the consistency out of Haywood. Okay, Khalid Moore is just starting to show that he's a player at this level. Uh, Devoe has been inconsistency. You know, right now, Alvarado and James Banks are basically the two guys that you're depending on, and then you're hoping just to get something out of the rest, whether it be Brandon Alston or you know Moses Wright. I, I, I see. I see other. Uh, fans of the GTech program go crazy after Moses Wright has a good game against Kennesaw State Okay, flashback to last year against Florida A&M, the kid goes 8 for 9, they all go crazy This is the kid, we got a gem, there's a diamond in the rough and, he, and he's bad until he was Saturday You know, it's just I don't know why Pastner isn't playing Haywood more um, DeVoe, Alvarado, and James Banks together. It's always either Khalid Moore and Moses Wright or Curtis Haywood and Moses Wright. And it's never the other two together, it feels like. And I just don't know why Moses Wright's on the floor. Khalid Moore's a, a capable rebounder. Okay. Curtis Haywood's a capable defender. I, I don't, I just don't see it with Moses Wright. I really don't. Um, <clears throat> Jackets open up with the, a brutal ACC schedule. You know, they open up the slate with Wake Forest. And then after that, all of their league opponents rank inside the Ken Palm Top 55 right now. Um, that came—I must have written that down wrong. Um, <laughs> it, it, it is a fact, though, that according to Ken Palm, the Jackets are only favored by in four ACC in ACC games this season. All of them home games, and all of them, and only one of them by more than three points. Okay, they're favored in the Wake Forest game by seven, the Notre Dame game by one. Pittsburgh by three and Boston College by three. So right now, Ken Palm likes them a little bit, but they only like him at home, and they don't like him to blow anybody out, which is obvious if you watch them play. I uh, moved on to number twelve. Pittsburgh, I think, has been a, a pleasant surprise. They're actually kind of fun to watch. They really are. You know, they're another team that plays defense. Okay, they're nine and three. Current team, oh, Jesus, I cannot speak this morning Currently 17th in opponent's effective field goal percentage uh, And 11th in opponent's turnover percentage You know, they do get to the line, they do make free throws Their their strength of scheduling at a conference is pretty brutal Okay, it's 304th But, you know, they're, they're four losses Niagara, Iowa, and West Virginia They've actually only got three losses But, uh, you know, they've come by a total of 12 points Uh... Two Of those games, also true games, okay, at West Virginia, at Iowa. You know, they paid they played the backyard brawl, I think they lost by 10 to West Virginia. They played that game pretty tough. Uh, the Niagara game, you're gonna have that when you're depending on freshmen. Now, you know, that's a bad loss, there's no way around that, but you know, their freshman class has, has performed quite admirably, admirably thus far, I think. Xavier Johnson, Trey McGowan, Adiesi Tony. You know, they combine for roughly 40 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists per game. I don't think you can really ask more than that. You know, if this team had a true rim protector, which is, you know, Jeff Capel's number one priority on the recruiting trail right now, um, they could be dangerous. You know, the fact that I have them at 12 speaks to how well Jeff Capel is turning this ship around, I think. Uh, Some people before the season thought that this team would go winless again in the ACC. And I think that not only are they not going to be winless, I think they could finish above the three that I mentioned before, uh, that being Georgia Tech, Miami, and Wake Forest. I don't think that's outside the realm of possibilities at all. If Terrell Brown can can find some footing, if Chuck Wuka can, you know, be his energetic self, you know, stop shooting threes, just concentrate on rebounding and rim protection. You know, Malik Ellison needs to be a little bit steadier, but. You know, they're a small team that plays scrappy. They can shoot it a little bit. McGowan's is starting to come around. Xavier Johnson plays well seemingly every night. So this is a team that I that I, that I actually like going into... You know, I like to watch them play too because I like to see that growth. But, uh, you know, they could even finish 11th, which is where I currently have Boston College, which <clears throat> BC is one of the few teams that I still don't really have a feel for, okay? They're 9-2, and two, but still just 93rd in Ken Palm. They have wins over... Uh, Loyola Chicago and at Minnesota They also have a win over DePaul If you want to go ahead and count that But they also have a home loss to IUPUI Okay Loyola Chicago is not the Loyola Chicago of last year Okay Minnesota is not fantastic DePaul certainly isn't that good But they you know, the, And then they go and they lose to IUPUI at home eh, You just don't know what you're going to get I think You know They're just They're unpredictable Which is you know Uh, They're an offensive perimeter-based team, so I guess you're going to get that when you have those sorts of teams. They open up the AC schedule of 3 of 4 on the road, and the home game is actually Virginia. So things aren't going to be easy, but we're going to be able to tell what Boston College is, I think, for the first four to six games of the ACC season. I think the craziest thing about this team is that they're 3-0 when Kai Bowman scores 12 points or less, and that just seems completely illogical to me. Coming into the season, if you told me that Kai Bowman was going to score Fifteen points or less, I would say that in that amount of games, they don't win any of them. And they're actually 3-0 and when he scores 12 or less. Now, if you guys read yesterday's article, I think the biggest surprise or one of the biggest surprises in the conference is this freshman three-star shooting guard, Winston Tabbs, who has kind of burst onto the scene. In his last six contests, three-star combo guard has 19.3 points per game, four and a half assists, four and a half rebounds, and two steals per game. He has been... While well, just fantastic for Boston College. You know, I think it speaks to how Jim Christians coaches his guards. I've said it many times. Um, these guys get one more tune-up with Hartford. And actually, I should say, they get one more tune-up game against Hartford. You know, before uh, before playing Virginia teams, then going to South Bend and Louisville. You know, that matchup with Notre Dame, I think, is going to be huge for both of those teams. Unfortunately for Boston College, it's going to be on the road. Now, Notre Dame hasn't been fantastic on the road, on at home. But you know like you know the road matters, especially in ACC play, which speaking of Notre Dame, they are number 10 on my revised standings. yeah you know, I, I wrote this I wrote some of this yesterday actually, I actually had to go back and and edit some of this. They finished up the had a conference play yesterday with a narrow victory over Owen uh, 14 now Owen 15 Coppin State, which is, Coached by former ACC great and Final Four outstanding player uh, Juan Dixon, you know if you looked at their overall record, ten and three. Okay, number sixty-five in Ken Palm going into the ACC season. You know their issue all season thus far has been they can't shoot the ball, and the scoring comes at a premium. Okay, Temple Gibbs' scoring numbers are down; uh, his shooting numbers are down. They lost Rex Fluger. You know, I I hyped up Gibbs a ton before the season. He has not lived up to that that expectation from me. Um, injuries, once again, have, have bitten this team. As I mentioned, you know, Pfluger lost for the season with a knee. They also lost Robbie Carmody to a shoulder injury for the rest of the season. They also lost Elijah Burns to transfer, who went to Siena, kind of out of nowhere. He was one of their senior captains. They open up in Blacksburg, which is going to be a very difficult game because, you know, Virginia Tech is just on a roll, um, and then host Syracuse and Boston College before they go to Georgia Tech. That is not, that is not a great four-game opener uh, for Notre Dame as far as what do they struggle to do? They struggle to shoot the ball. One of their first four games, they have to play at home against Syracuse, one of the best zones in the country, and they go to Atlanta, which is a top-10 perimeter defensive team. Um, that they have to win that Boston college game and they actually really have to go on the road and beat that Georgia Tech team if, if they're going to keep their their tournament hopes alive because both of those losses could be bad losses by the end of the season so you know I think John Mooney is one of the best centers in the ACC and John Ju- did I say John Mooney John Mooney one of the best centers in the ACC John Durham is possibly the best defensive big man in the league. You know, but this team they need to get better contributions from the freshman guard Prentice Hub if they're going to be successful. He has been pretty bad. You know, Dane Goodwin has stepped up lately and been pretty good. Uh, Donnell Harvey, DJ Harvey is is good, but I think he's still a little bit rusty. He hasn't been all that consistent so far and you know lazurski's coming off the or sorry coming off the bench he shot it pretty well they just they just need to get it together i think i think they're still trying to look for to gel as a team i think they can still be you know 7 and 11 8 and 10 9 and 9 somewhere in there in the acc but they need to win the games that they're supposed to win. And I know that sounds foolish and it sounds simple, but that's basically what it boils down to. And the way they played yesterday against Coppin State, they were down by 8 points with about 11 minutes to go yesterday. And pulled one out of their bums. They, you know, Gibbs came down hit a few threes. Lashevsky hit a three, I think. Goodwin hit a three. Um, no, it was Mooney, not Lashevsky. sorry. But... Um, <clears throat> You know it, it, they just they just need to get it together they need to gel they need to come together as a team because they're talented and they've got all the pieces they just need to put it together uh, number nine on the countdown Jesus, that was half countdown half hit list on the countdown number nine I apologize for how out of sorts I am sometimes you take a little time off you have a, a hard time finding that tongue trying to get it to work Clemson. Comes in at number 9. Um, I had them, I think, at number 8 in the preseason. So not too much. A lot of a little bit of this is based on, you know, Marquise Reed's return. You know, he came back last weekend, had 20 points, came off the bench. He was wearing a pretty hefty knee brace in, in the South Carolina game. Um, they're actually playing Lipscomb here in about two and a half hours. So I'm going to take a look at that and see how they play. That's the only ACC game on the slate for today. You know, Lipscomb's no pushover. Okay. I would not be shocked to see Lipscomb beat Clemson today. I really wouldn't. Um, Clemson's first, first three ACC games at Duke, at Syracuse, Virginia at home. That, that That's a murderer's row. Um, you know, Syracuse hasn't been great, but to go to the carrier dome and have to play that zone with that crowd that kind of sits right on top of you. I mean, I don't know if that's the camera angle that makes it look like that. I've obviously never been there. But that crowd always looks like they're right on top of the court. Now, it's put in a dome, so it's not too crazy. It's not like Cameron or McCamish or or some of these more intimate settings in the ACC. But, uh, you know that that's a tough road game at at Northern New York. You know, Amir Sims, Clyde Trapp have kind of stepped up this year, but Shelton Mitchell, who's their you know, their senior guard, he's struggled. He's not, you know, if you just look at his points per game and things like that, it maybe looks okay. But, you know, he's under 30% from three point range right now, which is crazy for him. And he's averaging a career high in turnovers as well. So you know coming into the season, Mitchell and Reed, you're thinking that they're gonna be one of the top backcourts, at least in the conference, maybe possibly top 15, 20 in the in the country. And, you know, Mitchell hasn't lived up to that. Reed, you know, hasn't had a, a bum knee for a couple weeks now. And you know, I think that you know, I still think this team dances, but I think they're gonna be a little bit bubblitious. I like Eli Thomas and Javon White at the four and five spot or the five spot, I guess. You know, one thing you may want to take note on the Tigers are 0 3 against Ken Palm te- against top 100 Ken Palm teams during the out of conference schedule. Okay, no good wins, no good wins in the out of conference for Clemson. Okay, the only team in the ACC currently ranked outside the Ken Palm top 100 is Wake Forest. Okay, so they're 0 3 against the top 100 in the out of conference, and they're about to play 14 games. Against top 100 teams in Ken Palm in the ACC slate, so they're gonna have to come together. And now they've got a serious well, not a serious injury, but he you got to think that Marquise Reed is not 100. He's obviously the most important player. So Clemson's a team to look for- look look at. And to be quite honest, <clears throat> Clemson at nine, Notre Dame at ten. The ACC could be looking at eight bids this year if those teams don't shape up. I think nine right now is probably the likely number. And speaking of Syracuse, probably the most disappointing team in the ACC as far as I go, and I think some other pundits go. You know, they come in for me at number eight Okay, they're still number thirty-seven in Ken Palm. They're eight and four, nine and four now. Um, yeah, nine and four after a win over St Bonaventure yesterday. Uh, it was nice to see them put up forty-six points in the first half against St Bonaventure yesterday. You know, Tyus Battle's still putting up numbers, but as a team, the Orange still look just fucking awful offensively. I I, I don't know what they run. Um, they're still def- decent defensively. But they're not as good as they were last year, okay? Even with the addition of Elijah Hughes, uh, their their defense is still, it's got some weaknesses, okay? You know, currently 170th in the nation in total rebounding. That's that's not great, okay? With Chuck Wu in there, you'd expect them to be better. Brissett should be rebounding better. You know, it, they have a good win at Ohio State. But have also dropped games at home to Buffalo, which is that's not a bad loss. Buffalo is going to be a tournament team. They've been in the top twenty-five all season. You know the old Dominion loss at the Carrier Dome is not good, and then the UConn and Oregon uh, losses at, at Madison Square Garden. At the time, you know it's funny. You watch UConn play that game, you would have thought UConn was a top twenty-five team, and they've just kind of the. And Oregon has kind of fallen off. Now they haven't lost a game in which Lewis King and Bowl Bowl both play. But you know you got to get. They have health problems. Oregon has health problems. I think as the season goes on, you know, as long as those two can get back on the court, that that loss won't be a bad loss. But right now the Pac-12 is just is so bad that that you know that doesn't look like a bad loss. You know the good news for Syracuse though, and this is key, is that they start out league play at Notre Dame, then they host Clemson and Georgia Tech. Those three games, Syracuse should start three and zero. Okay, Notre Dame at home, like I just said, has not been fantastic. I think you put that zone on the floor, uh, and the and the way that Notre Dame has been struggling to shoot the ball. Okay, um, you make Clemson go to New York. Uh, you know, it's coming off. Marquise Reed's injury, the way Shelton Mitchell shot the ball. You put Amir, Amir, uh, Amir Sims on the road, okay? Chuck Wu, the best defensive center in the league probably, okay? He's probably going to neutralize Eli Thomas. And then uh, Georgia Tech on the road is, is almost a guaranteed win, so you don't have to worry about anything there. Uh, moving on to number seven, Louisville. <clears throat> this was easily, you know, the team I was most incorrect about coming into the season. I, I just didn't like their pieces, And, you know, I think Steven Enoch has been good, certainly a lot better than I anticipated. Jordan Orr has been, you know, basically everything I said he'd be. You know, big pat on the back for Cone on that one. Okay, I think the biggest surprise for this team has been Christian Cunningham. He made my, who are these guys, five yesterday. If you guys went to ACCBasketballReport.com, check that out. I listed uh, five guys who have kind of burst onto the scene this year. Um, You know, Cunningham... I think he needs to be more consistent, but right now he's the best option of the trio of himself, Quan 4 and Darius Perry, which Quan 4 is fantastic on the defensive end, doesn't give you shit on the offensive end. And then Darius Perry is kind of... I, I, I don't know. He, he's the most talented. Darius Perry has the highest ceiling. Of all three of these guys, but he just he can't seem to to string it together for five to seven minutes at a time. You know, VJ King has basically played his way onto the bench and out of the rotation. He's been absolutely horrible this season. You know, he's horrible again yesterday. And at one point, I thought he was a little bit dinged up watching him in that Kentucky game yesterday. But he just he just looks lost. I mean, you know, I don't want to just rag on the kid constantly, but he just looks lost. You know, currently they're uh, nine and four. Uh, Top 50 Ken Palm team wins over Michigan State Seton Hall Lipscomb, you know all of which top 60 Ken Palm teams, okay They they didn't play all that well against Kentucky yesterday but You know the Kentucky keyed on Nora, you know PJ Washington did a hell of a job on 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 Jordan yesterday and and nobody else really stepped up Um, You know I swapped off of this game a little bit here and there so I, I didn't get to check out the whole thing but You know, I I think the Michigan State win is going to be key. Okay, Seton Hall beat Kentucky and Louisville beat them. The thing that was really interesting yesterday that I found was that this is a big rivalry. This Kentucky-Louisville matchup is a big rivalry. And the numbers were like 36-17 to in favor of Kentucky. I don't know if that's a rivalry. It might be a geographical rivalry. But, you know, you look at Duke-UNC. I don't know what it is now, but it's like, one hundred and forty-one to one hundred and forty. You know, it's it's something stupid like that, and Louisville is is way behind in the rivalry "quote unquote" game. Okay, uh, you know, Chris Mack, uh, he, he's going to get him there. Okay, I, I've if anybody's lost faith in Chris Mack, and I don't think you have. I think they've actually probably overachieved to this point. He, he's a good coach. These guys are playing hard for him. Um, their first four games in the ACC play are. Miami at home, at Pittsburgh, at UNC, Boston College at home. So they're going to start the ACC play at, at three and one. Okay, they're going to they're going to come out of the gates hot. They're going to look pretty good. That uh, that game at Pittsburgh, that's interesting. Um, you know, you put Jordan Orr in the zoo. You know, maybe they get under his skin a little bit. Um, you know, how uh, do you say Tony? I don't know if he can hang with him. Malik Ellison can, but. Nora's got some size. I so might be able to rough him up a little bit. That'd be an interesting game. You know, it'd be a, you know an under the radar game that could could matter. Uh, moving on to number six, North Carolina State. They moved down not because of really how they've performed. I said they move up, not really how they've performed, but because of other teams performing. I mean, you know, you guys know that I'm high on the Wolfpack, but there are few talking points to prove my theory. Simply because their schedule has been so bad. Okay, three hundred and fifty first in the country according to Ken Palm is their at a conference strength of schedule. You know they were able to pick up a nice win against Auburn in the at a conference, and they did beat Penn State, which is currently a top fifty Ken Palm team. Obviously, that will, you know, on the sliding scale, the quadrant system that will probably go away unless Penn State has a a unexpectedly successful season, okay? Torn Dorn has been great so far this year. Markel Johnson hasn't put up as good of numbers as last year, but I think he will. He's he's not currently getting the minutes, and I had a guy on Twitter ask me yesterday what's going on with him, and I think it's more of he's going to play 36, 38, 39 minutes a game every game during the ACC season. And I think when Kevin Keats thinks he can get away with playing Braxton Beverly at the point, or playing Devin Daniels at the point during at a conference when they're playing such a weak schedule. I think he's absolutely going to try to, to keep Markell's total minutes for the season down and keep him fresh for the tournament because they're absolutely going to be in the tournament. They have the talent to be a second-weekend team. And I, I think it's smart. And, you know, hey, Kevin Keats is a winner, okay? And I just – I'm so sick of hearing that. You see it all over on Twitter. You hear it in the stadium when you, when you go – to, to the PNC arena Everybody says Kevin Keats is a winner I think they put it up On the on the big screen too Kevin Keats is a winner Okay Yeah We got it Okay You know They have received Better contributions um, This season Than I originally Thought they would From Wyatt Walker And DJ Funderburk um, You know Their athleticism Has led them to be One of the You know the, the best offensive Rebounding teams In the country But again Their schedule Has been awful They are supremely Athletic compared To the talent That they're playing Against Let's see what they do when they get in the ACC. Okay? This goes back to <clears throat> G-Tech fans thinking that we're back because we beat Kennesaw State by 30. You're supposed to. Okay, That's what you're supposed to do. Uh, moving into the top five, which hasn't changed much, but there is one new team in here. It's pretty obvious who that team is. Uh, coming in at number five is Virginia Tech. They stay in the same spot as I had them in the preseason. Okay, Last season, the problem was defense. Those problems have seemingly been resolved, even with the exclusion of Chris Clark so far this season. Now, this is another case of strength of schedule, okay? Their schedule has been bad. There's no denying it. Uh, but the Hokies do currently rank fifth in the country in opponents' turnover percentage and number one in the country in putting opponents on the free throw line, okay? So regardless of how often Kerry Blackshear is in foul trouble, you know, Virginia Tech... Opponents don't get to the free throw line. You know, Nikhil Alexander-Walker looks like a lottery pick. Okay, Playing with a level of efficiency that is just simply outstanding. Okay, He is the only player in the Power Six conferences that has logged over 100 minutes played and is shooting 60% from two, 46% from three, and 80% from the line. He's the only one in the Power Six. I think there are 12 or 13 guys in the country that are doing it. Half of those guys are played less than 80 minutes on the season, and the other half play in the Patriot League or the WCC or the A10. Okay, he's the only power five, power six guy to be doing that. Uh, Justin Robinson has maintained his excellent play from last year. You know, he's decreased his fouls, he's increased his steals. He's, you know, and Virginia Tech looks crisper. They look better on the floor than they have in last year or than they did last year. I was going to say in years past, but. You know, the last two years is really when Virginia Tech has kind of turned it on And made themselves into a contender You know, they're currently 11-1 and one. They ranked 9th in Ken Palm You know, they all, like I said, also played a trash schedule But they have decent wins over Purdue, Washington And and even Ball State ranks 72nd in Ken Palm So that's, right now, that looks like an okay win I know I'm, I'm grasping at straws here But, uh the Hokies also have a pretty nice start to the, to the ACC slate. You know, home games against Notre Dame, Boston College, then they head on the road to play uh, Georgia Tech in Atlanta. And after a tilt with Virginia, uh, which is obviously a rivalry game, they get Wake Forest at home. So it is, com- it is conceivable that uh, Buzz Williams could open 4-1, but remember the last time that Virginia Tech faced Virginia, they won in overtime. So they could be 5-0. I don't see it happening. But this Virginia Tech team is certainly capable of shooting and, and putting up points against Virginia from the perimeter. Now, as we're about to talk about, <clears throat> the Cavaliers are dominant again on defense. So is that likely? No. But hey, they have the talent to do it. Uh, coming in at number four is Florida State for me. You know, if there is a team outside that top three that could win the league, it's the Seminoles. You know, they got to get right. Uh, they get Phil Colford back, and immediately, 30 seconds into the St. Louis game last week, and MJ Walker goes down with a right knee injury. I do not know the extent of the injury. Uh, it was sustained, like I said, last Sunday against St. Louis. He was on the bench with a nice wrap on it, and things have been brutally quiet since then. Um, if I had to make one comment to Florida State, it would be, please stop wearing those dreadful Marquette jerseys. Oh that blue is just awful. There's nothing. There's nothing about Florida State that says ocean blue or whatever that awful color is. Stop it. Okay. Some of those still go about ten deep this year. Uh, guys like Devin Vassell, Anthony Polite, Raekwon Gray really stepping up. Uh, I'm really surprised to see Raekwon Gray playing as many minutes as he has. Um, they've also gotten back to the Leonard, Leonard Hamilton way of playing defense and, you know they currently rank in the top 25 in both offensive and defensive efficiency which in recent years they had you know they've been attracting more talent on the recruiting trail so you know they, they're kind of outscoring guys okay Malik Beasley Dwayne bacon um, not great on the ball defenders certainly uh, Xavier Rathon Mays XRM. You know, those guys were big recruits, could really score the ball. So in recent years, they had been relying a lot on outscoring people, and the de- defense had really fallen off. This year, Terrence Mann is, is the leader, okay? Phil Cofer is the leader. You know, Chris Kumaje is an anchor. And, and James Forrest is a huge point guard that's giving opposing point guards problems on the defensive end So you're starting to see those defensive numbers regress to the mean over you know the, the Leonard Hamilton era okay? What he's known for is his defense um, They still turn the ball over too much, but they still force more turnovers So as long as that t- statistic holds, I'm okay with it As long as you're plus and and turnovers, I'm good. Um, they don't shoot it quite as well as I'd like them to, but they do make free throws and they keep their opponents off the glass. Which re- rebounding—that's how North Carolina has been winning for years. Okay, rebounding is often overlooked. If you can keep guys from getting free points at the line and you can keep your opponent off the glass, you give yourself a chance to win every single night. I, I firmly believe that. Um, they currently rank 16th in Ken Palm with a top 100 strength of schedule. Which is, which is fantastic. Okay. They, uh, they still got to play Winthrop before they open up the ACC season. And they open up at John Paul Jones before they host Miami and Duke. Then they host, uh, BC and Pitt. So they, they could start three and two. Now, what I, what I want to warn you of is if, if this, if they start three and two or even two and three, you're going to see people start jumping off the wagon. That's a, that's a difficult first five, okay? Virginia on the road, okay? Then you host the Miami team, and then you host Duke, okay? So where where's the trap there? Okay, Virginia and Duke are sandwiching Miami right there, okay? Say say you lose by seventeen, okay? Say say Virginia beats Florida State by seventeen at John Paul Jones, Florida State goes home, and then they're looking at Miami and Duke. You think they're thinking about Miami? No. They're thinking about paying a good team back in Duke, so they look ahead Duke, and Miami comes down and hits 13 threes and wins by six. Huh? Then they start two and three, okay, because they're going to beat Boston College and Pitt. Okay, now it's going to be really interesting because in this game, Duke, like I said, is going to Tallahassee. Florida State loves to beat Duke in Tallahassee. They've done it many times, and. <clears throat> It's going to be interesting. That's going to be a really interesting game to watch. I, I seriously can't wait. It's going to be a doozy. A doozy. All right. Getting into the top three. Top three stays the same as far as teams involved, but two teams flip-flopped. Okay, number three for me is Duke. And I think you guys are probably going ballistic, and I'm sorry for that, if there's any Duke fans left that listen to this podcast. You know, currently 11-1, number one in Ken Palm, the only losses to Gonzaga. Okay. Um, they're number 1 in the Ken Palm They're number 1 in the AP They're number 1 in the Rockin' 25 poll that I'm involved in There isn't much to justify me having Duke at number 3 But I'm going to try Okay, Call it a gut feeling Call it a simple dislike for Blue Devils on my part That's fine For me, they just don't shoot it well enough Okay, They rank 257th Okay, in 3 point percentage And 187th in 3 pointers made you know, and as fantastic as Zion has been, and he has been unbelievable, guys. I, I, Hey, I've been eating crow for three weeks now, okay? I'm tired of it. It's all gone. There's none left in the freezer, okay? He's 3 for 18 from deep on the season, okay? Shooting 16.5%. And that's not, he, he's still one of the most efficient players. He plays to his strengths. They put him in position to win, but he can't stretch the floor. Okay, and he's not big enough to play the five. Okay, they still got to play either Javin or Marquis at the five. And, you know, Cam Reddish, who's easily the best shooter on this team, his consistency has been less than desirable. Okay, you know, he's shooting 36, 35.5% from deep. He also has four games where he's shot four or more triples and made one or fewer of them. Okay, he's got a one-for-nine game. He's got an 0-for-five game. That's not exactly... What you want out of your knockdown sniper type player. Now, he's an NBA talent. He's an NBA player. He's an NBA shooter. You know, whether it be focus or maybe he's still dinged up. I don't know what it is, but, you know, I, if they're going to legitimately win this league and win the national championship, they need to shoot it better. Now, their defense has been ridiculously good, which has been an, a crazy surprise to me because I am famous for saying that freshmen don't play defense. These freshmen play defense Okay, They currently rank in the top 3 in the country In block percentage, steal percentage And defensive efficiency Okay, They are currently favored in every ACC game With the exception of at Virginia On February 9th According to Ken Palm So right now Ken Palm likes them to go 17-1 in ACC Great They need to shoot it better if they're going to win in March I'm saying it right now they, they will not go in the March And play a game in the Elite 8 with a sweet sixteen and shoot six for twenty three and win that game, not unless they now if they go out and they get twenty offensive rebounds, okay. Which, you no, know, that's what they did against Gonzaga. So, you know, I am kind of arguing myself back off off this point here, but at the same time, we've seen Duke teams do this in the past where they look stupidly good and they don't win the national championship, and it's always one huge glaring weakness. Last year, it was last year it was defense. Okay. This year it's shooting because they play defense this year So maybe they can hold teams down Where they can absorb a bad shooting night But we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes I guess we'll cross that bridge, if you will When we come to it so Number two, I have Virginia <clears throat> As far as uh, predicted standings you know, I've said before that I thought coming into the season The Cavs, they, they might come in with a Kind of a chip on their shoulder After that disastrous tournament performance they had last year You know they're currently number one in the country in points allowed at 50 they have an average margin of victory of 22 so you know last year they were considered the best team in the nation the number one overall seed coming into the tournament and this year they're starting to replicate that the only difference is that this year Duke is really fucking good too so you know they would be number one in Ken Palm if it wasn't for Duke dominating the metrics such as they are um you know, holding opponents to a nation's best twenty-four percent from three, while they themselves are top forty-three point shooting team in the country, that's what makes that uh, that uh, Virginia Tech game so interesting. Virginia Tech is a really good shooting team, and they actually play defense this year. Virginia again this year, really good shooting team, and they're really good perimeter defensively. So we're going to see which one wins out. I think it's quite obvious, or, or say the public side of this would be that Virginia wins out, but. Virginia Tech is very talented. Uh, Cavs, like I said, currently ranked second in Ken Palm. They're actually eleven and zero, uh, and do have four top one hundred Ken Palm wins. Uh, they open the ACC ACC slate against Florida State, which is a game that really kind of interests me. That's a that's going to be depth versus defense, kind of. You know, uh, Leonard Hamilton is going to run waves at them. Um, after that game, they go to Chestnut Hill and Clemson before hosting Virginia Tech, and then they head to Duke. So. <clears throat> You know, it, that's a difficult opening five games, I think, even for Virginia. Okay, if they come through that unscathed, you know, they'll be well on their way to replicating last season's dominance and well on their way to another ACC regular season title, I think. So, <clears throat> that's the top 14, or the bottom 14, I guess. Um, which leaves one team, and it's UNC. Yeah. Still my pick to win the ACC, regardless of the three losses, okay, They're nine and three. They have played a top forty schedule and are currently seventh in the country in offensive efficiency, fifth in the nation in points per game. You know they've they've yet to really hit their stride. I think, especially defensively, and they still have wins over Gonzaga. You know UCLA is kind of a eh win. They you know they open the season at Wofford, which is a tough game to get done. I still think Wofford is a potential tournament team. Certainly one of the best teams in the Southern Conference. Which if you guys don't watch the SoCo. Or the SoCon, I guess, would be the way to say it. Then you're, you're missing, you're missing out. The SoCon is loaded. That, that that's a two bid league, and really should be a three bid league. You know, uh, that's that's a good league. Um, Walford challenged many good teams this season. And they might only be a top three team. They're not even the clear number one team. And they're very good with Fletcher McGee. So, you know, who else do you have? Eastern Tennessee State, I think Belmont's in that league as well. It's a really good uh, UNC Greensboro is another one that's in that league. It's that's that's a really good league. But anyway. beat <clears throat> um, Davidson yesterday, even though that was without Kellen Grady, who's one of the best scorers in the country. So not bad. Um, I'm not sure I need to spend much more time on this pick. You guys know kind of how I feel about North Carolina. Um, you know, to, I, I constantly say I think they're going to win the league. Okay, they have depth, they have length, perimeter talent, rebounding, shooting, and rim protecting ability. They have the athleticism to bring that defense together. I think I think Nasir Little—he's too athletic to be a bad defender. He's going to figure it out. Okay, he had some some mistakes on some closeouts yesterday. They'll get that right. Okay, Kobe White is supremely athletic. Okay, Kenny Williams. Already a really good defender. Cam Johnson, tall, long, going to be a good defender. Okay, Garrison Brooks, one of the best defensive rebounders in the country. Luke May obviously might be the best defensive rebounder in the country. Sterling Manley off the bench, a fantastic rim protector. They've got the options. Okay, Seventh Woods has been playing out of his fucking mind for a couple weeks now. He's been good. I, I just it, The list goes on and on as far as how they're good, and how many different looks they can give you. Kobe White can play the one. He can play off the ball. Seventh can play the the point guard, which, by the way, Seventh Woods is starting to realize who he is and what he's capable of and what kind of player he can be. And UNC is better off with it because if you can put – God forbid they sustain an injury, they can do just that. They can sustain the injury because Kobe can just – Slop, slide over to that two guard position, and seventh Woods can play point, and Leaky Black. I, you know, I, you, everybody forgets about him, but he's a fuck. He's a really good player. Um, so yeah, I, I still have UNC in the one spot. I, I think they're the most complete team in, in this conference. So, real quick, I'm going to move into five games I'm looking forward to this season. And they're in no particular order. I was just kind of bumbling through. And, you know, I, I picked out five that I think are, are kind of intriguing. The first one is uh, Saturday, March 9th, which is Duke at Carolina. Um, the last day of the season. And, you know, this game could be who decides to win. Or, this game could decide who wins the ACC. And... Could could have ramifications as far as number one seeding in the NCAA tournament, um, ACC tournament. You know this, and it's and you know, it's Duke Carolina. I think Carolina at Duke is probably going to be a game that Carolina drops, but I think Duke on the road to Carolina will be a better game than the, than the other way around. Uh, Monday, February eighteenth, Virginia at Virginia Tech. I think Virginia. Probably dominates this game at John Paul Jones Arena But once again, I think that uh, VPI will be up to the challenge The second time around, just like they were last year Okay, Tech plays better defense so far this season So I think they're going to be up for that challenge A little bit better um, this season than maybe in years past That's obviously a geographical rivalry game Tuesday, February 5th, Florida State at Syracuse You know, my original number 4 team Against my current number 4 team Okay, Depth and team play Against you know good zone and disorientation on offense, you know, uh, uh, Florida State has eight guys that may score ten points in that game, but Syracuse has three guys that could get you twenty five or more. You know, you got the zone against the man, you got the press against the zone. It's you got Terrence Mann against Tyus Battle, which is going to be a challenge for Battle. As far as him on offense, Uh, that may be a little unorthodox, but I think that's going to be, it could be one of the ugliest games in the ACC slate involving two of its best teams. Okay, I don't know if you you follow me there, but could be a really ugly game against two very good teams. And I think that'll be kind of a grinded out match. Saturday, February 9th, Duke at Virginia. I think Duke gets the win at Cameron. Okay, especially after Virginia won at Cameron last season on that Ty Jerome shot. Uh, even though none of those Duke players are still there, it'll be a point that K uses kind of for motivation. Uh, this game is going to be interesting because both teams are good defensively this season. Okay, Duke was bad defensively last season until they implemented that zone. Duke, I think, will be able to score, but will Virginia be able to score against Duke this year, which is really crazy to say, I think, after after the experiences that we had last year. Will Virginia be able to score... On their home court against a very good Duke defense It's going to be intriguing to me And then last is just a fun game I think it's going to be a good watch Is Saturday, February 2nd Virginia Tech at North Carolina State um, You know, it could be 100-99 It could be 110-109 to 109. Okay, perimeter talent all over the place Markel Johnson, Justin Robinson Torn Dorn against Nikhil Alexander-Walker Devin Daniels against Ahmed Hill Okay, it's gonna be fantastic. And even maybe even where this game will be decided is in the paint Wyatt Walker against Kerry Blackshear, which I haven't I've talked about Virginia Tech a lot this podcast, and I haven't mentioned Carrie Blackshear just laying off Kerry Blackshear for a while. Okay. It's it, I'm just I'm done with it, okay? And <clears throat> to wrap up the show, or almost wrap up the show, there's a couple of landmine games that I saw that I wanted to bring to you guys' attention. <clears throat> Tuesday, January 9th, okay, which is in a week and a half, Virginia Tech at Georgia Tech, okay. We have seen in the past Virginia Tech lay down on the road against good defensive teams, okay. This is a great perimeter offense on the road against a great perimeter defense. Georgia Tech also has the depth in the front court to get Kerry Blackshear in serious foul trouble early, okay. They run their offense through James Banks just like they have in years past through Ben Lammers. Okay, Ad Gay is going to come in. And he's a black hole. Okay, they're going to dump it into him, and he's going to go to work, or at least what he calls work. And he's going to he's going to try to get into the lane and do that little baby hook. And if Blackshear's not careful, those two guys are going to put him in foul trouble. And you know, Georgia Tech likes to cut those hard cuts from the elbow. They're going to come across his face. Okay, if if Georgia Tech is able to get them in foul trouble, specifically Kerry Blackshear then they're going to pound James Banks inside against P.J. Horn. And if Georgia Tech is adequate from the three-point line, that meaning Mike DeVoe, Jose Alvarado, Curtis Haywood show up and shoot threes, Brandon Alston, okay? Georgia Tech has a really good chance to win this game and, and fuck up Virginia Tech's early in-conference season. Um, Georgia Tech, one thing you say about Josh Pasner, he's been very good at home. Um, at the MMA for billion, So that's a game to circle on your calendar. Now, this said, since I brought it up, Virginia Tech probably win by 50, but this is a game to circle on Virginia Tech's calendar as a potential slip up. Uh, Saturday, March 2nd, Syracuse at Wake Forest. Now, <clears throat> this is a long shot. Okay, this is a dark horse. This is 100 to 1. Okay, but follow me here. <clears throat> Cuse plays. Duke and North Carolina leading up to this game. And then this game takes place on a Saturday. Okay. So it goes Duke, UNC. I think it plays at Duke, home against North Carolina. Um, home. No, no. Yeah. It plays Duke at UNC and then at Wake Forest and then at host Virginia, I believe. Either way, Duke, UNC, Wake Forest, Virginia. Now, the Wake Forest game is on a Saturday. The Virginia game is on a Monday. Okay, so again, you get up, you get up, you get up for Duke, North Carolina. Then you've got the worst team in the league, Wake Forest, right before you have a 24- to 36-hour turnaround to play play Virginia. Okay, this is a look-by game if I've ever seen one. And Wake Forest may be bad, but they're talented. And at this point, they could be... I'm not sure if if this is their last game or their third-to-last game or something like that, but they could be 1-for. They could be 0-for ACC play. And you're going to catch Syracuse napping here? Like I said, it's 100-to-1. But I would not be shocked to see Syracuse lose to Wake Forest on March 2nd. And the last one I have is Saturday, February 9th. That's North Carolina State at Pittsburgh. Okay? You know this North Carolina State team basically just has the makings of a team that's going to drop one every now and then that they shouldn't. And Pitt has played pretty well this far in this season, despite a you know a Niagara loss, which you know it is what it is. They lost to Niagara, whatever. But they're going to be comfortable. They're going to be at home. The season will be decided at this point, so they just may ball out or they may ball up. You know, I don't I don't really know which. They've shown that they're a really good defensive team so far. And these teams are similar as far as makeup goes. They're a little both are a little thin in the front court, though I'd give the edge to NC State. I have been intrigued by Wyatt Walker. I just I think if you get Pittsburgh where they're a little bit comfortable and you get NC State kind of looking by them on the road in a hostile environment. Now, the zoo annoys the shit out of me, but they can get under your skin. They can be effective as a, as a home court weapon for Pitt. That could be a game that NC State loses that they shouldn't and could absolutely affect their seeding in the NCAA tournament. So there it is. That's the 2018-19 ACC slate preview. Look me up on Twitter for questions, comments. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, you know, Check out Slap the Sign. I had an article come out today. Check out ACCBasketballReport.com. I had some stuff come out today. Uh, at Pico 36 on Twitter. Don't forget to like, rate, review, subscribe, retweet, share. Tell everybody you know about this podcast, okay? I've been getting some new followers. I haven't gotten many ratings. You guys need to leave some ratings. I have far fewer ratings than I have subscribers at this point, okay? So I hope you guys all had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, I hope you guys all have a a wonderful New Year. Uh, Be safe. And I will talk to you next year, which sounds quite crazy. Again, there's only one game today. Clemson at Lipscomb. This has been a very boring week. Uh, let's see. What do we want to do? I want to... Oh, shut up. Freelander's Nolly already, okay? Absolutely ridiculous. Check out my Twitter timeline. There was a story done by the Virginia Tech SB Nation, I think, where Buzz Williams says that the, his staff has done everything they can do and they're just waiting for the NCAA to stop dragging their fucking feet and get this kid eligible. It's an ACT score. Have the kid take the test, grade the test, see what he got, and put him on the court. Why is it so difficult? It shouldn't be. If the kid played for Duke, it wouldn't be this hard. Okay, so Freelander's Nolly. Hashtag Freelander's Nolly. Um, shout out to Daryl Aberry. We at Georgia Tech miss you. Hope you guys have a great New Year's. This has been the ACC Basketball Report.